0: Hi, everybody. Just a quick note from us at Circle Talk that the quality of this recording isn't the best. We didn't realise until we downloaded the audio and tried to work with it and found out that it was sketchy in a few places. So for that, we apologise. Just sit back, relax and maybe turn it up every now and then. We hope you enjoy this episode. No,
1: I've already ordered the book. I've already spent all my money on the bloody book. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah, feel really that. bad if you if you hate the book though. So. <laughs> but I don't think you will. I like the book. No, I like it. I like all the books you recommend. Well that's good,
2: hell yeah. and welcome to Circle Talk, a podcast for seekers, initiates, and the curious by four Alexandrian witches with endless different opinions. We are your hosts. Hi, I'm Pizza,
1: a high priest and
2: Covenant from South Wales.
1: Hi, I'm Josie, High Priestess covener in Melbourne, Australia. Hi, I'm G, a high priestess and coven leader from the Newland area of the
2: U.S. And hi, I'm James, a high priest and coven leader from just outside of New Orleans. And we are a podcast where we talk about Alexandrian witchcraft and explore differing opinions on how the Alexandrian tradition is practiced in various covenants in the globe. Listeners are reminded that while we are all initiates of the Alexandrian tradition, we only speak for ourselves and not for the tradition as a whole, which is an apocalypse. This is episode 21 and the first episode too. two. Welcome aboard. You may want to take a moment to pause this and go back to our introductory episode, episode zero, introduction, and episode one, definitions, or check them out after you enjoy this one. As we mentioned in our Samhain Sabbath special, over the course of the next year, our Sabbath specials are going to explore a method of magic that can be associated with that Sabbath. We know it's not always going to be a perfect fit, This gives an opportunity to discuss and explore different magical practices and to think more deeply about how our magic ties into what's going on in the world around us. For the solstice and especially the winter solstice, we decided to focus on transwork and astral projection. Now, before we get into today's episode, the quote I want to present it is from *Witchcraft Today* by Gerald Gardner, published in 4. And therein he says, "The art." Only comes by developing your own power and not by the stroke of a magic wand. It is a strange, mystical experience. You feel a different person, as if much dross was washed off. There is some strange mystery of worship, delicate. It is as if I were in a trance during the rites. I can scarcely remember what happened. Something seems to brush against my soul, and I ever think of it with a sight the old joy and terror. Quick and So, with that said, today we are going to give some background information on trance work and astral projection, briefly discuss methods of trance induction, explore specific practices that we consider to fall under this branch of magic, and give some additional suggestions for people's personal practice. All right, high five, get on the broom, and let's go with you. All right, so what is trance work?
0: So, so trance work
2: is, oh, go on, G.
0: No, all of you can... go at once. Yeah. <laughs> so we're all talking at the same time and it's the listener's opportunity to hone in on one of our voices okay. and then decide one, what we would all say it.
1: One, two, three. Uh
0: I've even forgotten what I was gonna say. So I couldn't have even jumped in. I think for me it's trans work is, is all about getting into an altered state of consciousness where you can allow yourself more freely to get into that magic mind.
1: Yeah, in addition, I would say that it's accessing part of our minds or uh, theoretically part of our abilities that we can't normally access. Most commonly, you see uh, there's been some science done on the value of meditation practices for that and the way that meditation practices can change um, the rhythm of the brain, can change um, via like during MRIs and CAT scans. A person who's meditating, their brain looks like, something completely different and so trance work is just a big is falls under that umbrella as part of that practice of shifting our consciousness or or changing the way that our brain is working uh in order to allow us to access parts of ourselves
2: that totally reminds me of a uh, definition of magic um it's not a perfect definition and you know when studying magic you look at different ways to define it but margaret adler in the book Going on the Moon says that magic is the ability to change consciousness at will.
0: Well hi <laughs> for our listeners, I, I tagged James in like a little Facebook reel a uh, few weeks ago, I think it was James and it, it it basically it was something with um a cat sounding like a southern grandma, how a southern grandma says well, hi, and when I tagged James, he was like, is this how you hear me? Is this how you hear my cats? And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I hear. Well,
2: hi, <laughs> and it still cracks me up today.
1: Oh, he's a cutie, though, but she's did that definitely is a cranky.
2: He was demanding cats.
1: Um, so, yeah, astral projection, I think, tends to fall under under trance work because you need to be in an in order to actually project yourself and that needs to be defined as well you need to be in an altered state of consciousness you need to be able to sort of like let your you need to be able to let your consciousness your physical body and therefore you need to be able to leave a lot of your day-to-day consciousness day-to-day things behind in order for your being self astral body to leave your physical vessel yeah and i guess that's so much that will do going into this work is about really knowing yourself and getting to know, like, what the home of the part for the most of the parts that you are having.
2: Well, beyond just astral projection, trance work helps with a lot of other uh, magical techniques and practices, you know, such as divination. It, it, it really helps to, for lack of a better word, tap into either alternate consciousnesses, higher self future selves, states, etc. However you want to define it so that the words, the images flow. Yeah, it's it's definitely something that
0: um, I personally struggle with divination is just allowing those images to flow. And I think maybe part of my problem is allowing myself to be free in order for those images and those words, and words, whatever you want to in the mouse, come through. But you definitely need to be in some sort of transfer for divination I think to be effective.
1: Not not that this is like a problem of practice meeting, but um I'm curious if you've had any more success with auditory um signalling. Like if if instead of when you're doing divination if instead of the visuals sometimes instead I'm get I get like really strong smells or I get sounds and whispers instead of
0: Yeah, not not for me. Um I think I think I'm like Hamayani when it comes to divination. We're in the um, Prisoner of Azkaban, she's trolling Professor troll She's like, use your inner eye! What a load of tosh. And I'm just like, yeah, Hermione my is my spirit animal.
1: <laughs> not a lot of the woo, huh?
0: No, no. <laughs> it's, it's just like divination. I I feel guilty as a witch because I, I feel as if I should be good at divination. But I'm just not. I'm as, and like people say, oh, I'm a psychic as a teaspoon. Literally, that's me. That's me in a nutshell.
1: Well, I think also part of part of this or maybe a later conversation is that psychism doesn't only divination, right? Psychism also right. includes yeah. your ability to do trance work and some of the other work that we do in Covens. But also yeah. you can't be good at everything. There's so many different things to witchcraft that I'm like perfectly content at this point to be like, Fuck it, I don't care about herbs. Like somebody just give me a sachet, that's fine. And like you're making your own incense. I know, clutch your <laughs> pearls. So you can't be good at everything. I also really struggle with divinity. I think that's...
0: But I but I want to be good at everything, and that's my problem. You're also like Hermione
1: in that <laughs> you want to be good at everything. Yeah, right. You're good at most things, Peter. That's okay. There's got to be at least one thing you're not great at. Um, interesting <laughs> linguistic aside, cultural differences... Um, saying here, I have heard is as psychic it is a gumboot, and I feel like that's less psychic than. A... What is a so gumboot? I'm going to have to write a whole
0: yeah. scale. I Did do you say like, what is a gumboot? What is a gumboot? Even I don't know
1: It's oh oh. Um, is it a shoe? Uh, is it no, half no, a teaspoon? No, no. Oh, you wear them in the rain, like well, oh, like wellies, Wellies. Yeah. wellies. Yeah. like rain boots, yeah, wellies, yeah, we're ah. rain boots, yeah, gum boots. Oh, okay. I mean, that is objectively larger than a teaspoon, depending on the size of your teaspoon. I feel like they're less psychic, or maybe just less lemon.
0: If you've got a big wallet, then boot a big wallet. <laughs> maybe.
1: But I do think the rubber is part of it, because rubber doesn't conduct. We need to make a scale. like we'll <laughs> an international scale How of psychic. How psychic are we?
0: Yeah. Like
1: gumboot, teaspoon, jar of jam. Yeah, we'll be fine.
0: Yeah, crockpot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but then what's the most psychic thing? Cup of tea. A cup of
0: tea, of course. Bottle of wine. That's gonna. Uh, that's gotta, wine, that's yeah. gonna be there. That's gonna be there, right?
1: Jug of wine. Goodness. Spoiler alert for the future episodes. Yeah. Mead horn. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a, a butt of sangria.
1: An amphora. Uh, James is like, I just said <laughs> that.
0: James is like, this is
2: this has gone south really quickly.
1: James <laughs> makes You're his own wine.
2: There, there's a name the locals know for gum boots rain boots and I can't remember what that. um and it's it's one it was just sitting here by for me. So y'all are going off in tangents so I was like, what the hell is that name? Well, I, said, I, do I
1: don't remember what they call it. Top of the scale would have to be a witch bottle tree. Um uh, that we learned all about.
2: Well that's because we drank all the wine and now we're seeing spirits and we would be called bottles. Right.
1: Listen, if that's what I have to do to set up my super cool witch bottle tree then that's what I have to and you're all welcome to help me
2: out. It's a sacrifice we're willing to make. So, beyond all of that, what else do we work for? I think G has
0: already touched upon it, really, isn't she? But, like, developing psychism, developing your psychic skills and your psychic perception, and, like, again, for me, developing that psychism is important, but I think it's something that I'm going to have to consciously always. Um, work on and and improve because sometimes I'm like, is am I am I getting these images? Am I hearing these sounds, smelling these smells, really, or is it just my mind playing something? Sometimes I I lock myself in my own mind too much, and then I wonder, is it the is it the placebo effect? But then, even if it is, there's nothing wrong with that either.
1: That's definitely true. I have to say, I feel like I'm surprised that you and I've never talked about this before because I'm very I have a very similar issue. Um, or I was just talking to my mm to my coven sister we went out for drinks last night and I was saying that right around Samhain I was having not not an atypical experience where like out of the corner of my eye constantly things were moving and every time I turned around I definitely saw I saw shapes and figures of people all the time and then it would then it would like flash out and become like whatever object I was actually looking at and I was like you know and I was thinking to myself like well Samhain's rolling around quote unquote the veil may or may not be thinning whatever but I also said because she's my she's my optometrist she's my eye doctor I said but you also told me at my last visit that I have a lot of floaters so I'm like am I seeing spirits or am I just like are my floaters acting up and she was laughing she was like good question she's like go with the spirits right and because it's who knows like you can come up with mundane explanations for things you can come up with magical explanations and I think that Part of like being a mature witch is knowing that, that if it is placebo effects, that's perfectly fine and not choosing the magical explanation all the time and also not getting too weighted down by the mundane explanation. But I have a tendency also to reach for the mundane. And what's helped me a lot is my, my three new initiates are much more than I am. And that's forced me to sort of be more open-minded to like their excitement. Yeah. And they're so excited about it. I'm like, okay, like I should probably... I don't want to put a cramp in their style, so I'm
2: having to, like... To, I like, it up a little bit? Yeah. But that's that's what witches, you have to learn to see with both eyes. Both with your mundane vision and the mythic simultaneously. You know, it's, it gets into that why you have to... In some mythologies, they sacrifice one eye to see into the other world. Well...
0: Like Odin, right?
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but...
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and in uh, Ireland, some of the old curses were only given by closing one eye, putting one arm behind your back and then with one foot. So, half he was in the other world and threw it on someone.
0: Interesting.
2: So, it's as a witch, you straddle that threshold between the two. So, yeah, you have to be able to look at things and be like, yeah, pretty cool giant ball of fire up there. And at the other time, you're like, That's a pretty awesome sun that we just uh, hope to get reborn. Um, but there's not catching it. There's a reference to crutches. Yeah, I there. was going to
1: say, oh, we're back to my favorite. It's, you're time, for me. You're it's time for me to be pod- hog One of my friends. Teachers um, for tarot, you can say a sign is a sign if you've asked for a sign. And that's uh, really helped oops, me navigate, yeah. like, you know, in, and we've all seen it in some of those online groups and forums where people are like, I saw a bird. Am <laughs> I going to die? <laughs> Birds a just single Yeah. <laughs> it's sunny today. So we're in a good mood. like, yeah. Is that a sign?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it don't mean levels are high <laughs> Move on. So, yeah, I always come back to
2: that when I've followed. Um, so when I used to attend uh, zazen, uh, sitting meditation, Zen temple in California, the one of the, the resident monks there would say, "There's a reason we call this a practice, because you have to practice it well." Being an orthopraxis, mostly orthopraxis system, yeah, you got to practice, practice it. Not everyone's going to be innate and everything.
0: Yeah, so. you can't get be better at, at the craft and at, at things in the craft unless you practice. The craft, you know, you can't, you know, it's it's almost impossible when you first begin it to walk up to ritual and know exactly what you need to do, what you need to say. You're gonna need to rehearse beforehand, and I know that people have feelings about rehearsing ritual beforehand and that everything should naturally flow, but at the same time, there is a big part of it where you need to go off and spend time with maybe a ritual script, or learning something off by heart. But yeah, you need to
2: practice, practice. Yeah, so I think that the key here is transport, learning to. Sit in that trance space at whatever level it is, and then it can be applied across all these different practices, some that you'll be better at than others.
1: would um, we consider the current um I'm just curious would we consider the current push or um, popularity of mindfulness work part of part of the practice of learning how to do trance and better part of it fall under that I think
0: so yeah, I mean like if you're practicing mindfulness, I think that is a form of meditation. And you know, like, there are practices within Reiki where it is almost like mindfulness and, and you are consciously doing something and you're consciously repeating that thing. So yeah, I, I would say that mindfulness could fit into it.
2: I don't know I do not I d I don't I don't know because at times mindfulness, having practiced it, can feel like trance work. Like meditation, actively doing nothing. Um, you know, and being aware of whatever your vocal is. Um but not always. It's complicated, so I don't know how I would define that. Alright, so, yeah, developing psychicism, strengthening your ability to various practices. Um, there are some specific practices. So I know people talk about how you struggle with divination. I get it. I like to try to get too analytical and go like, well, that's supposed to mean blank. Um, I found that a lot of my personal barrier in that area begin to break down the more I started forms of spirit communication where you have to pay more attention to the subtle so that that subtle communication can come through and you can know it's not just originating in the back of your mind. So it's, it's difficult to explain, but if you pay attention to the part of your mind where trance work sits when you're meditating, you'll find the spirit communication feels like it originates in a spot. I don't know how else to explain that, but once you've allowed that pathway to open, I have it easier when I sit with whatever form of divination on it's tarot or ohm or whatever to just pay attention to the subtle that's being driven. you really got any, uh, any experiences you would like to share in regards to trans work and spirit communication?
1: Yeah, I was just, I don't think it would have occurred to me to say it like that, that it feels like it's coming from a different place. In me, but it does kind of, now that you mention it, Um, or it, I'm one of those people. I talk to myself a lot in my head. Like I, uh, have entire conversations where I'm like, you know, scolding myself or giving myself pep talks and, um, even the sound of that or like where those words feel like they're originating feels more internal than when I get the sense that something is coming from spirit when I'm doing that work, it definitely feels more like it's even though it's kind of appearing in the same place, it kind of is entering through a different channel. Um, I'm going to have to really think about that because now that you're saying it, I'm like, yeah, that's definitely been my experience. Um, I'm going to talk about spirit in kind of in a similar sense otherworldly kind
2: of entities. Organized consciousness is what Organized he uses. Consciousness.
1: That's the one. Thank you. I was looking for that. Um, and something that I've wrestled with, with this kind of work for a while is it's always really bothered me that I can't always That's happened. Um, I. I'm an overthinker and I try to be the clinical and a part, critique at all times, which is not always suited to this kind of work. Um, and one thing that helped me um, is it was actually reading the wind and the midsummer chapter out of that, which I'll talk about um, later on. But this idea that you don't remember everything because it's actually a way of the mind protecting itself made me feel a bit more at peace.
2: One of my earlier covens. Um, when we would do forms of intense spirit work you would have someone designated to record or pay attention to the specifics now that's in addition to your safety because you always want a safety um, who's there just to pay attention to the person undergoing that work but like a scribe for this working you know maybe you're not delving as deeply into the work, uh, magical work yourself but you have an important role so that that can be shared uh, later. How about working with deity?
0: I think there's a crossover there isn't there? Um, working with deity and, and spirit communication. You know, When we're talking about trans induction you need to get into that state of mind where you communicate deity and you can experience deity. But there's definitely for me a crossover between spirit communication and working with deity.
1: Yeah, I um, I would agree. Like getting yourself enough um, to communicate or this kind of um, I think also when we talk a little more later on uh, about practices pathway um sometimes the encounter of deity happens on the astral. There's a lot of different ways you can sort of quote-unquote work with deity um, and in addition to you know certain kinds of spirit communication there's also astral travel pathways to encounter and interact with.
0: I think the problem trying to discuss working with deity is we don't want the Skate too close to our oaths, and like, yeah, that's that's a whole different conversation. But, um, you know, I think all of, all of these myths that we've talked about so far they all need some sort of transport. And I think with deity, you know, there the, the are some groups that will work with the same deities, so they build up a whole. There are some groups that will perhaps invoke call upon the gods and different deities. But, yeah, try and try not to skate too close to my yeah. own here.
2: Yes, transport can be. I think, highly beneficial for working with a deities, etc. But you don't always have to. If you have a daily practice set up with a particular deity, it doesn't always have to be a big, meaningful shebang for you to continue to engage in that relationship. You've said, for the next 21 days, I'm going to provide offerings. It doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out thing. You can just be like, all right, here's your stuff. i got to run. i got to be to work. You've met your end of the bargain. Mm -hmm no transwork work was involved. Um, now, there are, are those times we need that, but I think in that particular instance, it's more important to maintain the momentum of the practice and the agreement you made with the deity than to, oh, I don't have time, because some of the first things that go to the wayside when we get busy are the basic practices. So what else can we use trance work for?
1: So we, we sort of briefly started touching on the idea of astral projection, um, and we'll speak a little bit more to that um later um the different reasons why but people use ast- can use astral projection for um sometimes path workings i think depending on the depth of the pathwork can fall into the astral projection um or doing group work people sometimes will quote-unquote work on the astral like a lot of interesting conversations about that during covid that sort of started up um and then there's of course like transformation work, personal, that Transformation. Uh, <laughs> that <laughs> falls under this category as well. Um, you know, that it helps to sort of like settle your mind and shift your consciousness. If you're going to be looking internally, then you really do need to shift your consciousness from an external internal perspective. And that's just in fact mindfulness again. mindfulness breathing and seek to life.
2: You know, really, I think we could go on for a long time and just list practices one after another, be like, hey, this one could benefit from trance work. Um, but I also don't think we need to list every single thing we do. This isn't the forum for training new witches. Um, mm-hmm. But with that said, there are lots of methods we've briefly discussed previously for doing this, you know, such as in our uh, sex, drug, and rock and roll episode, we talked mm-hmm. about drumming, substances, singing, chanting. Um, does anyone else have examples of non-oath bound methods that individuals can use for basic trance work?
1: Polite, quick, and silent.
2: I think one of the main things that people
0: will now, um, I think that one of the main things that people go towards in gravity is um, drumming. I think lots of people, when they think about trance, they'll think about using drums and using that, that monotonous beat. And sometimes not a monotonous beat, it, it, it could be a beat that's more kind of dancey in its way maybe ecstatic dancing and ecstatic ritual but i think a lot of beginners but also people who've practiced a lot of transmit will do some sort of drumming and yeah we definitely touched upon that in one of our previous episodes
1: i um, i'll add just i think if you open just about any book um that's an introduction to psychic practice or an introduction to psychic development you'll see certain practices that can easily be used repeatedly or expanded upon um for transduction induction, like flame staring, like doing certain kinds of countdowns uh, plus visualizations. Um, I know there's like the very standard you could count down to a hundred, quite frankly. Um I think counting sheep is actually a, just a fine method for meditating yourself into sleep. Um there's the I forget what is but you know, a, a countdown associated with specific colors. Um so yeah, I feel any psychic one oh one or sorry, any any introductory psychic book will have a lot of different methods to get somebody started on like how do I induce a meditative state and then from there slip into um a trance. Things- yeah, I
0: found that yeah, I found that it's it's like when you're trying to go to sleep. If you're consciously thinking of trying to go to sleep, you're not gonna go to sleep. I think if trance is the is the end goal of trying not to think about getting into trance because if it doesn't happen for you, you just go to frustrate yourself and uh, just allow that trance to happen and to come naturally.
2: I also think a lot of ritual, the way we have it set up, the repetitiveness of it, yeah, um, all the parts help one to shift into a basic ritual mindset, which is a form of trance. Um, me personally, beyond that, I do a lot of meditative and breath work to dig into that. That's because my own personal practice has a lot of meditation and things like that in it.
1: Yeah, having those triggers there really helps. Um, another thing that I've found helps is having the backup, like have a chant, near bay, whatever if your ritual involves you having to enter trance. Maybe have- yeah, just removing that pressure can maybe open to having it.
2: So, uh, regards to the breath work and meditation, there's there's a lot of different ways, to, and I know a lot of individuals are just told, "Hey, basic meditation is follow the breath," and some of that um, that can be very difficult. For someone whose attention's always drawn away by the monkey mind, who look shiny. So there's uh, a technique I learned years ago called um, the gateway, or the gates between breaths. And you're going to focus on the particular points in breathing that are the transitions between in and out, the, the top and the bottom of the breath. So you're breathing in, pay attention. Breathing out, pay attention. At that transition point, so it becomes like a continuous reminder that's poking you. Hey, you're supposed to be paying attention so your attention is not there the whole time but it's continuously with the rhythm of the breath brought back to point and earlier when g and i were chatting or waiting for waiting um, we were talking about this and it kind of reminded me of you now in the sabbath specials we talk about how there's two sides of the coin well you have two points of the breath but very much like the, the two solstices um at the top and the bottom of the breath whether it's the the point of the the sun in descent about to be born. The point of the sun at its zenith on the other side, but it's continuously pinging. Jesse, what we're writing down?
1: Uh, Ideas, witchcraft, private.
2: <laughs> oh, okay.
1: <laughs> so good. like nothing. That's so
2: bad. That's a Gardnerian answer. <sighs> I need an Alexandrian answer from you.
1: I feel like the Alexandrian answer is mind your fucking <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: I, I i'm I'm good with that, but <laughs> that, that passes the sniff test all right, so specific practices, not necessarily how to induce the trance, but um there's I know we mentioned pathworking, working, got meditations, astral projection. um I don't want to spend a lot of time on them, but let's poke those the any of those that we have i'd
1: I'd be content to speak a little bit more on astral I'd speak a little bit more on astral projection um because I said. In terms of deity work, I do think this is something I feel comfortable speaking. Um, there's a lot of work that can be done, um, astral projection and working with deity. For one thing, people sometimes use astral projection to go commune with deity. So if you are interested in some of the Fortune's work, she speaks a lot on the use of astral projection, interacting with deity. Um, we also, in my coven, in my line, we, tend to set, we set up astral temples pretty regularly each coven has an Asheville temple um that's kind of the seat of our egregore which is a separate conversation um and we use that as a launching point for pathworking. so if we're doing a group path first to trans induction travel to the coven temple which involves a lot of visualization and then use that as a launching point into the path working um, and there are line specific path workings that we do that involve meeting with isis um and some other things along that line so it's a little bit different than the more typically discussed astral projection wherein like you are going to a place and naming the three objects that somebody has set out for you to to see and then coming back and like reporting like yes i saw that thing um because this is not astrally projecting to another place on the physical plane that you can observe this is actually projecting to an astral um but nonetheless, it's the practice that I'm more than doing that kind of, when I think about working, that's usually what I think about It's not just superficial guided meditations. My
2: first, Alexandrian, had a lot of similarities to that. Um, however, I have experienced similar methodologies in other places. Um, albeit there's you know, slight tweaks because different covens, different ways to approach it. But no, I, I, I think that's common enough.
1: I didn't mean that. Cut that out. Oh, oh, I think this me. this whole bit is going out anyway because we lost Take this out. We lost Peter anyway, so <laughs> he's back now. Um But
2: <laughs> what did I miss? Not much. Uh, no, a lot Hey, talk about path working, gut imitations, or astral projections. Pick one and or all of the above and go. You Peter. Oh me? Oh no,
0: you put me on the spot now. <laughs> I can go for two minutes. Um yeah. Yeah, I think With guided meditation working, I wouldn't necessarily say that trances always need those two things, but definitely astral projection. Like, it is easier when you are doing a path working or guided meditation or visualization to be in some sort of trance state. But I think my problem with guided meditation is that sometimes I focus too much on words without letting myself go. And that can be a problem really similar to to Josie and G. I kind of overanalyze a lot of things. And I think if when somebody's talking to me, I'm more concentrating on what they're saying than the in-between spaces, the liminal spaces and pathworkings and guided meditations for me to get into that kind of zone. So, yeah, I think even though trance work lends itself well to certain pathworkings and guided meditations and, and whatever, Sometimes for me it can be a a distraction unless I set my intent and really clear. Like you don't have to necessarily listen to the, to the all the words and and all the intent, but you can use this to kind of get there. Is that good? <laughs> you, you get an A. Name. <laughs> yeah, go me.
1: <laughs> well, these were ideas first unpacked, like G said, by the likes of Dion Fortune in this context.
0: So
1: her and um John Butler William Butler um were the first to kind of write about this outside of of their um viewpoint, at very least Christian or um, so these concepts and the idea of doing this, even though the idea of trance would argue is really, really old. The way that we do trance not that old.
2: And I think it's great fun to look at both of them and see what parts are similar and which parts are different. Play with both. That's me personally. Uh, I know when we were talking a minute ago, looking at things on this list, um I thought about throwing astral temple work on there, or didn't, but I think we, we touched that as well um, because it's so deeply released it. So I think that really brings us kind of to the the meat of or the, the roots of where we're going with this episode. What does all this have to do with this solstice? And when I was first thinking about trench work in regards to the winter solstice, because that's where I am located, I was thinking about that association of the sun as being reborn as the epitome of the inner self, it being taking shelter from the harshness of the winter, taking sanctuary in the practice um and practice being that ritual mindset that altered consciousness, so I was really thinking a lot about inner self work in regards to how it relates to the sun, the spiritual self and spiritual song yeah at the moment
0: with with us towards the winter solstice in the northern hemisphere we're in that in-between space where the sun has died where god has died and we're doing we're currently doing that introspective work and trance really well up towards the summer solstice where the god the sun is reborn so i think that rings true for me as well james to, uh, when you talk about inner work and inner sanctuary and introspective work. Trance links in with that really, really well.
1: Maybe you all can help me flesh out this, but my head is basically like, something, something, mirrors. Something, something, light. Something, something, reflection of your inner self and outer self, day-to-day self and your higher self. um, Something, something, the solstices are a reflection of each other, something. There's something there. Mirror, light, ah, reflection.
2: Definitely, (laughs) definitely mirrors. No, it's the... So much of what we do, talk we, we talk about having a working partner. Well, it's the other that you can reflect yourself against. And yeah, there's a lot of magical techniques, but there's, there's a lot there that I, I agree with.
1: I think it just, I was thinking about how people talk about shadow and, yes, don't make that face. I'm not really going there. I'm just saying, but also what I think really, oh, this metaphor is not going to work out. I'll cut this out it's too late. You opened that catback. I was, I was gonna say, but really, it's shedding light on. And then I was like, yeah, gee, because if it wasn't in shadow, it have to shed light on it. So that, that's not really. But I guess I, ha- I keep having this visualization of like you turn on your inner vision and you look at yourself as if you're running like your soul and MRI. And like, it, there's, you know a, what I mean?
2: Yes, there's a meditative practice where you you sit into your. Reflective space that you're looking out at the world, but then you shift your consciousness so that you are the other instance gazing back on yourself. So if I was to try to help make that make sense, you're sitting in your yard meditating with your eyes open, looking at the clouds. You see the clouds. You're just letting the in exist as the other, but at some point your consciousness shifts, and there's no separation between you and the clouds, and the clouds are the seat of your consciousness. You can see yourself sitting. It's a purposeful thing done in some forms of Buddhism, and yes, definitely the mirror of the self as it exists with the true nature of all things.
1: It's an internal version of that really popular body checkfulness. Yeah, it's like shining a light in the dark.
0: What is this linking with um, your side of the coin, Josie, with the with the summer solstice? Um, uh,
1: sorry, I missed my cue there. <laughs> um. Yeah, with the summer solstice, I had to think about this in a different way, as I do. Um, as you guys are going into solstice and summer solstice, uh, where many of us kind of feel like the gods at the heart of their power, and a lot of you are around sovereignty and power, and uh, they bring and coming together of two great powerful forces sometimes. So I guess you could still use trance work in a way and higher bit as well. So converse to shadow work, but I do know. A distant cover, um, mm. as a means of uh, it comes back to mindfulness again as well, just a means of sort of stepping into your power and acknowledging that you're probably better at this than you think and, and celebrating that. That's what I would be working to trance work if I was going to really come here.
0: I think the problem is the wrong word, but the, the problem with kind of shoeboxing trance to solstices, sol- solstices, solstices. solstices, solstices is that actually trans work, you can can do that really any sabbat or any esbat or any ritual, but I think working with the solstices, solstice-i, I'm going to call him that term, working with the solstice eye and trans work, those two go, go well,
2: hand in hand. I was getting a, a bit of imagery when Josie was talking. So I, I know when I was talking, I was talking about the, the sun and the, and the spiritual self and it being born as that spark of self-actualization. Yada yada yada, um, but when she was talking, she was talking about reaching the higher self. It's kind of like taking that inner spark and placing it on your brow as the crown of Savanti. Josie said it. I just had the imagery when she said it.
1: That's a good way of
0: putting that. That's a really nice. piece. So I've just really i this is nothing about, but I've just quickly Googled solstice eye, and apparently it's a Catalan word which means solstice, <laughs> and the plural is solstices. So there you go. Always learn to cheer at Circle. I
1: think the last way I would relate the solstice to trance work with midsummer, thinking about those um, midsummer nights, sit up and that's almost really excellent trance work.
0: Yeah, I think um, that's an interesting point about like when you don't sleep the height of summer, that's, that's almost like sleep deprivation. And, and I think that could actually work as a good experiment during trance as well. You know, if you combine that as well, with fasting or light fasting, I think that could be a really good experiment in in a ritual setting. Don't go over the top because obviously, if you're gonna do a full-blown ritual, and you've had no sleep and nothing to eat or drink, you're probably gonna conk out, and some something's gonna go. Over.
2: But yeah,
0: I'm definitely gonna put that on my list of things to do in the summer.
2: Well, Peter, you said that sometimes it's hard to shoehorn uh, transwork into a specific sabbat because it's related mm. to, to many sabbats, and, and I agree, and that's, that's true. Um, but are there other magics that, that come to mind when we start thinking about uh, the tendencies of the solstices or Solstice High?
0: <laughs> there it is. Um, for me, I think a lot of work within witchcraft, one of the big things that, that we do is protection work. And I think last time when we spoke about Samhain magic, about Warden, we also touched upon protection. But I think Another good time to reinforce any of those protections is during a solstice, whether it's the winter solstice or the summer solstice. I think drawing on that energy um, during the winter solstice, it's more of a protection inwards, and then maybe at the summer solstice, it is a protection outwards. I think that's something that springs to mind for me, just because of the height of summer. It's kind of, you're kind of throwing yourself out, whereas within the feels of winter, you're kind of bringing yourself in. So I definitely see protection work another plug to the last episode previous episode.
1: In Europe especially, too, there's a long history of protection magic associated well, with the right. summer things like that across many different areas of the
0: house cattle crops. Yeah, and especially like the major Celtic fire festival. I think a lot of a lot of them deal with a lot of yeah, those habits also deal with protection and power protection for the crops. I I don't know about you guys, I don't have a crop in my back garden so that is doesn't really ring true, but historically, protection for the crops, protection for the animals, yeah, there's definitely a protection
2: magic, a protection witchcraft that comes from Europe. You can speak for yourself. I'm getting ready to harvest our crop of kumquats oh, and cool. lemons. You're so I'm oh, sorry.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say, I don't have a crop in my yard anywhere either, because we've had our frost.
2: Yeah, so we haven't had our frost yet. It's gotten close once or twice, but No, I'm still in shorts and a t-shirt. I threw a hoodie on a couple of times.
0: We had a frost this week, which was so bad that when I de-iced my car, the the de-icer froze. And I was like, well, what is the point of that? So then I had to get out and scrape the car Like in the middle. I was only, I don't know, a minute from home. So I just kind of pulled in, scraped the car. But yeah, I was like, what is the point of having de-icer if the de-icer freezes? That's not fun. Uh, it did so and it was really cold on the morning as well. I was like, I'm going to be late for work now. Thanks, Jesse. Frost.
1: see get... how warm it is it there? Um, I'm in shorts, so it's pretty, we've got blueberries on the woods and I have to go dig up some potatoes. Yeah, planning beach trips. pretty great. Nice. Do you get cold enough for a killing class? We do, uh, in my particular part of Australia, but not in, in the very southern part. We get the
0: snow and frost, but nothing. We're lucky if we get snow here at all. I'm going to plug the Welsh weather again. The rain just gets colder. The winds get colder. That's that's it.
2: We're lucky if we get snow.
1: You're not selling Wales as a location for our eventual meetup. Yeah.
2: Uh, I need well, you to I'm tell here. me. Need you to tell me. There's all forms of divination related weather in Wales, because if there's not, I have the disappoint.
0: They they must be. They must be. But you know, not for me. Not for me. Again, I'm a psychic as a teaspoon.
2: You, you can just be like, is the rain going sideways? Oh, that means yeah. blank. Is it a heavy, fat rain? It's
0: gonna be yeah. blank. Is it so? Is it so heavy it's bouncing back off the ground into my eyes? Oh, yeah, something bad is gonna happen to me because I've just been blinded by the very
2: cold rain. They tried to trick us and make us think it was gonna stop raining. You know, all the things. Yeah. So, um, with that divination, I know we've touched on it. and Trains work with that. We do it every Sabbath as its own thing part of the so it's like a a specific drawing to deity being like what do you want us to know related to this and then is own something and that's separate from other practices we do related to deity during those times but yeah we we do divination in that regards at every sabbath as it's something
1: yeah we've been known to do it anymore
2: so unless anyone has anything else I think that brings us to the end of the episode. Today we talked a bit about different magics that are associated with the winter and summer solstice, uh, particularly transfer projection and some of the different methods that are related to that. We poked a little bit of the lore associated with the solstice in those regards. Um, I don't really have much of a closing thought other than to tell people if you sit in your own mindful space for just a moment, it will bring you back to so all those other moments that you've set in that space and um, ties them together like knots on string. So, as a reminder, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at CircleTalk4Witches. That's four as in the number. Twitter as Circle4Witches or email us at CircleTalk4Witches at gmail.com. If you have any questions, queries, thoughts or ideas discussion get in touch we'd love to hear from you from all of us at circle talk merry meet merry park and merry mute